0: Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots Podcast with me, Casey. Now I know I said a couple of weeks ago that I would not be doing another podcast for at least another week after this. But I did find some time and I just got the itch and I just had to scratch it. I had to get on here and talk to you all about whatever was going through my head. And it just so happens that I did come across a funny little story that you could say piqued my interest. Enough to do a little bit of research and find an awesome little list that I want to share with you today. But first, I do want to get a few things out of the way. First, thanks to all those who listened to the podcast last time I put one up about Horror Emma, That was a great podcast, by far the most popular one to date. And I hope any new listeners do stick around and like what they heard. Because I'm going to do some more of that, hopefully in the future. No timeline as of yet on when I'm going to get around to doing more interviews with people. But I'm always open can try to set it up through Skype or Discord or something along those lines and get some recordings down. If you're interested, that is. I just got to figure out the logistics of it. Other than that, I really hope you did like it. I will be continuing on with a little bit more of our history look today, a more typical Horror Shots podcast, if you will. But I would like to share with you again my website. That's horrorshots.com. And while there, you can check out some pretty nifty photography. I just put a new setup featuring clowns. So who doesn't like a good creepy clown? Second, you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which is not spam. I send one out once a month, usually, or whenever I send out a new photography set that I want to share with you. Uh, you also get a free ebook for signing up. Don't forget, I am an author. I have written two complete novels, which you can check out on Amazon, or or just get the free one through my website, the e version of Necromancy and Other Mystical Things. Don't forget to check out my Instagram and give me a follow at Horror Shots Photography or on Twitter at Horror Shots Pod. Either way, I send some updates through there every once in a while, and I do like to interact with anybody who wants to interact with me. Beyond that, I do have Patreon, so if you do feel like sparing a few bucks to help me out, to help keep the cast going, and to get more pictures up on my website, and you know, share more content with you. That would always be grateful. That's horror shots on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/horrorshots. It's pretty self-explanatory, but you know, anybody who does want to spare some change once a month, I would gladly, gladly accept that <laughs> and be super, super grateful. And you do get some pretty cool stuff out of it as well. But I've yammered on for like three minutes about nonsense now, so let's get into what brought me back to podcasting this week. I was going to take the week off, as I mentioned, because I'm just kind of burning out on work, creative projects, pretty much everything. Everything is kind of burning me out right now, so I thought I was going to take a couple of weeks off. But, you know, screw it. Here we are. And I was reading a story today about something called Mel's Hole. And no, it's not as dirty as you think it is, although there probably is a Mel out there with a dirty hole, just saying. But this Mel's Hole in particular is a bottomless pit. I just happened to come across it, and I'm not going to do the full podcast on this, but this led me into what the topic of today is. And this hole is fascinating. It's apparently a crater of sorts or a a bottomless pit that was founded by a guy called Mel Waters. Now, who is Mel Waters? He is apparently a guy who found a hole on a bunch of property that he bought. Now he's unsure about how deep this hole actually was, so he ran some tests, and they're quite remarkable. He dropped a fishing line with a weight on it, down this hole, expecting to get, you know, a few thousand feet maximum, but it just kept going and going and going, and the reel, which was apparently an 80,000 foot reel, ran out. The weight never slacked, meaning it never hit bottom, meaning it's technically a bottomless pit. Furthermore, he did other studies on this hole and found that it had a bunch of supernatural properties. A neighbor allegedly threw a dog carcass down the hole one day. His dog died, and he didn't know what to do with it, so he asked Mel Waters if he could just use the hole to dispose of the dog. And so he did. And a couple of days later, what happened? Well, he found the dog running around the woods near his house, alive and well. He didn't capture it, but he just saw it run by, equipped with a collar and all. That's a pretty creepy story. Mel, after that, decided to run a couple more tests on it. So he sedated a sheep, and he had to sedate this sheep because any animal that neared the hole would freak out. His own dogs wouldn't go near it. They would dig in and just fight tooth and nail to not go near this bottomless pit, this black hole on his property. So he sedated a sheep, and he brought this sheep to the hole, and he lowered it in on a sort of like dolly system. Now what happened was remarkable. The sheep was alive and well when he dropped it down the hole, albeit it was asleep or sedated, but when he brought it back up, it was completely dead, as if it was cooked from the inside out. Now the weird thing about that, if that wasn't weird enough, was that he saw something moving inside This sheep carcass. So he cut it open, and what did he find inside was this bald, animalistic creature thing with very human eyes. Freaking out, he threw the thing back in the hole, right where it belonged, down into the pits of... Now, everybody thinks that this is kind of bullcrap, and I can't blame you. He did go on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell back in 1997, give or take. And that's where he told all these stories. He also claimed that the U.S. government leased the land from him but on the i guess you could call it condition that he left the country and he did he left the country and went to australia for a few years and when he returned that's when things got really really weird the government had sanctioned off his land and claimed that they owned it and he wasn't allowed back on it it was top secret nobody could visit it even people who claimed to have visited it many times in the past such as red elk who described himself as an Intertribal medicine man, or a half breed of a Native American and white man, but upon future expeditions, he was unable to find the hole. He said the U.S. government maintained a top secret base there where quote unquote alien activity was frequently occurring. But through all his many visits from 1961 to 2002, the strangest thing to have happened was the disappearance of this hole in 2002. Now, as I mentioned, Mel Waters was the guy who discovered or quote-unquote discovered this hole. And he did a bunch of interviews on Coast to Coast. And he did them more than once. He made three appearances in 1997, 2000, and 2001. And it made this whole thing sort of a phenomenon, national tabloid, I guess you could call it. And the fact that the hole seemingly disappears is incredible. A lot of people do think this is a hoax. And Hoax or Not it's a really, really fun story to read into and a really interesting one to get your hands onto. And that's where I got the idea to do today's cast on something called Hell holes or Gates of Hell. Now these things have been documented all throughout history, be it in ancient Greek times or, you know, modern as Christianity or Catholicism. It's a fascinating topic and I did watch a documentary on it years and years ago, I believe it was called The Gates of Hell or gates of hell, or something along those lines. So I decided to look into it a little bit more, and I found a list on gizmodo.com entitled 13 Places on Earth People Believed Were Entrances to Hell. So I've been reading this list, and it's very interesting, so I'm just going to kind of belt them out with, you know, a little bit of explanation as to what they are. And the first one they have on here is the Plutonian at Heropolis. The ancient city of Heropolis near modern-day... Pamukkale in Turkey was once home to a site considered sacred to Pluto, the god of the dead. Although the site was rediscovered in 1965, it was just this year that archaeologists announced the otherworldly significance of this holy spot. The same gases that heat the famous hot springs of Pamukkale originate from a cave beneath Plutonian. And because the vapors are toxic, the people of Aeropolis believed that they had been sent from Pluto himself, and the site was treated as a ritual entrance to the underworld. Pilgrims would travel from all over the classical world to make sacrifices to Pluto. Animals led into the cave would drop dead from the toxic fumes, while acolytes of Pluto would prove their devotion to the god by entering the cave and emerging alive. And that was possibly thanks in part to their knowledge of pockets of breathable air within the cave. Next up on the list, we have Fengdu, China. The 2,000-year-old city of ghosts located in Chongqing, municipality has long been thought to be the place of the dead stopped on their way to the afterlife, though it seemed to have gotten this reputation in a roundabout way. A legend from the Han Dynasty tells of two imperial officials, Wang Fangping and Yin Changsheng, who forsook the court life to practice Taoism in Fangdu and became immortal. Their names combined sounded like King of Hell, and so Ming Shan, the hill that overlooks Fangdu, became known as the abode of Tianzi, the King of Hell. The city is filled with Buddhist and Taoist temples, said to be filled with immortal spirits that judge and torment the dead. A freshly dead soul, it was said, must first cross the bridges of helplessness to have their virtue judged then face the mirror of retribution at the ghost torturing pass and either become immediately reincarnated or face a series of torments before reaching the wheel of rebirth living visitors can reach the city by boat the lower portion was flooded after the construction of the three gorges dam along the yangtze river and walk the bridges face the demons who guard the spirit world View sometimes gruesome dioramas of the afterlife and gaze upon the 138-meter-high statue of the Ghost King, the largest sculptured, carved into a rock. While Fengdu is centuries old, some of its symbolic structures were created rather frequently. For example, the last glance at Home Tower, the final sight of ghosts we'll see of the living world, was constructed in 1985. Next up, we have the Messiah Volcano. The aboriginal people of Messiah in modern-day Nicaragua did not believe that the mouth of their caldera was a gateway to the afterlife, but that there was a local tradition that the volcano was a god and that a sorceress lived inside its fiery pit. But it was the Spanish explorers who arrived in the 16th century and had little familiarity with volcanoes who associated the volcano with diabolic activities. In 1529... Mercedarian Fray Francisco de Babadilla hauled a cross up the volcano, hoping to exercise what he believed was the mouth of hell. And he wasn't alone. Friar Torbido Betavante wrote in 1541 that the volcano's persistent activity must have supernatural causes, and that it must be, quote, the place from which the condemned are thrown by the demons, unquote. Various religious figures pointed to the volcano as evidence of the horrors that would await sinners in hell. Not all Spanish friars felt the same way, however. Friar Blas de Castillo led the first Spanish expedition inside the volcanic crater in 1538 to search for gold and silver. And while debates as to the nature of the volcano raged through the 16th and 17th centuries, Friar Juan de Torquemada published a theological analysis of... Messiah, and other volcanoes in 1615, asserting that it was a ridiculous view that any volcano is an entrance to hell. Among his arguments was that since souls are incorporeal, hell has no need of a physical mouth. Following that, we have the Seven Gates of Hell. A local legend claims that in the woods of Trout Run Road in Hellam Township, Pennsylvania sits the Seven Gates of Hell. According to popular fiction, the gates appear near the site of a tragic asylum fire, and if you step through all seven gates, you are led straight into hell. Of course, that same fiction claims that no one has ever made it past the fifth gate, so how would anybody even know? It's a good question. There are a couple of problems with this story, even aside from the whole going to hell thing. One is that, according to the Hellum Township website, there was never such an asylum on that spot. Also, there's only one gate a rather ordinary-looking thing, a local doctor installed to keep people off his property. There are reports stating that the other six gates are invisible during the day. However, all this information hasn't kept curious trespassers from sneaking onto the property, however, in search of a direct route to hell. And why you would want to do that is beyond me, but hey, to each their own. Hallam Township isn't the only place in the U.S. rumored to host a gateway to hell. Urban legends claim that the devil can be found in the gates of hell, a collection of drains in Clifton, New Jersey, and in the Stull Cemetery in Stull, Kansas. And some voodoo practitioners claim that the Seven Gates of Guinea, which lead to the afterlife of the voodoo traditions, can be found in various parts of New Orleans. Next up, we have the Lacus Curtius. Today, this pit in the Roman form doesn't look like much, but in a legend told by Roman historian Livy, it was once a wide chasm. Livy tells the story of Marcus Curtius, who may have, given the pit its name. According to Livy's account, the chasm appears in the middle of Rome, and nothing could fill it. An oracle prophesied that the chasm would not close and the Roman Republic would be destroyed unless the city sacrificed that which had made it strong. Marcus Curtius realized that Rome's strength lied in the weapons and bravery of its citizens, and so, fully armed and armored, he rode his horse into the chasm, straight into the underworld. The chasm closed and the city was saved. It may well have been this legend that classed Lacus Curtius as a mundane, a place where one could easily commune with the underworld. It was also a conduit for buying off the gods of death. During the reign of Augustus, Roman citizens would toss coins into Lacus to pray for the emperor's safety. Now we're going into a little bit more of Northern Europe, into the UK, at St. Patrick's Purgatory. One legend about the Irish St. Patrick involves Station Island, a speck in Ireland's Lough derg. According to the legend, after Patrick had become frustrated with his doubting followers, the Christ appeared to him and guided him to a cave on Station Island. Inside the cave was a pit, which was the gateway to purgatory, where souls of the dead must endure punishment for their sins before entering heaven. While there, Patrick also received visions of the torments of hell. From the 12th century on, Station Island has attracted Catholic pilgrims looking to sit close to purgatory. In 1632, the Lords of Justice of Ireland ordered the cave closed, and most of the records of the pilgrimages prior to the year were destroyed. But we do know that the pilgrims would fast and pray for days before spending a full day shut inside the cave. Despite the cave being shut, the pilgrims continued unbroken. Modern pilgrims can still visit Station Island for three days of a pilgrimage, during which they must keep a 24 hour vigil while fasting on the island. Moving northwest, we head to Iceland, where Mount Hecla sits. Iceland's particularly active volcano developed a reputation as a gateway to hell in the 12th century after its 1104 eruption. Benedict's 1120 Anglo Norman poem, Voyage of Saint Brendan, mentions the volcano as the prison of Judas, the apostle. That reputation continued with farther eruptions. After the 1341 eruption, there was a report that people saw birds flying amidst the fire. Birds. Some thought that must really be swarming souls. Even in more recent times, Hecla has maintained its diabolic status, as some superstitious folk have claimed that is a spot where witches meet the devil. Now we're going to head back to ancient Greece with the Acheron. The Acheron is a real river that flows through northwest Greece but it also figures prominently in classical mythology. In Homer's Odyssey, Circe directs Odysseus to the underworld, telling him that he must find the point where the Acheron meets the pure and of a branch of Styx. The poet Virgil also mentions the Acheron in the Aenid, identifying it as the river from which the Styx and Cocytus rivers flow. The ferryman Charon, or Charon, depending on how you like to say it, was supposed to transport newly dead souls across the river into the afterlife, something he even does in the pages of Dante's Inferno. In Dante's poem, the souls of the uncommitted, who chose neither good nor evil, find their eternal home on the banks of the Acheron. Not condemned in hell, but still, forever punished for their indecision. Next up, we have Lake Avernus. While the Acheron is in Greece, in the Aenid Aenis, it enters the underworld through the Avernus Crater near Cumae in Italy. The crater lake was sacred to the Cumaean Sibyl, and according to myth, she could lead a living traveler into the underworld. Its name offers some hints as to why it might have been deemed such a deadly portal. Avernus comes from the Greek word meaning birdless, which links to the belief that birds flying over the lake would die due to the toxic fumes the lake emitted. It's unclear how much truth there is to this belief. In modern times, birds are quite happy to fly in and around the lake. Cape Metapan. If you don't want to deal with Karen the ferryman, you could enter the classical underworld of Tatarus through the back door. In Book 10 of Ovid's Metamorphosis, Orpheus enters the underworld not via Acheron, but reaches the river Styx through the gate of Tanaris, located in Cape Tanneron also known as Cape Tenero or Cape Metapan, on the southernmost tip of Greece, on the Peloponnese, the Mayan cenotes. The Mayas certainly had the most picturesque entrances to the underworld. These natural underground waterways located in Mexico and Central America were thought to be the home of the rain god Chak and portals to Zibala, Caves were often seen as gateways to the afterlife in the Mayan worldview, literal passageways between the living and the world above, and the realm below. Archaeologists have found Mayan temples and human remains in the cenotes of the Yucatan Peninsula, a possible legendary site of Zabala, while other traditions put the entrance in Coban, Guatemala, or Actun, Tunichil, Muknal, in Belize. These days, the cenotes are seen more as a tourist destination than the entrance to the mystical place of fear, Mount Asore. The Europeans were hardly the only folks to believe that volcanoes marked the entrance to the underworld. The Mount Asore region filled with volcanic cauldrons located in the remote Shimakita Peninsula of Japan's Honshu Island is literally named Fear Mountain. And with its barren gray landscape, bubbling waters, and persistent smell of sulfur, it's easy to see how it got its macabre reputation. Like Akron and the River Styx, the Sanzu River, which runs through the region, is said to be a spot souls must cross to pass into the afterlife. Now last but not least, we have Huska Castle. According to folklore, Huska Castle, located in Baltus, North of Prague in the Czech Republic is built over a bottomless hole that leads to hell. One legend claims that in the 13th century, King Ottokar II of Bohemia offered a pardon to any condemned prisoner who consented to be lowered into the pit and report what he saw. The first prisoner lasted only a few seconds before he began screaming. When he was pulled back up, the story goes, his hair had turned white, and it seemed he'd aged 30 years and he babbled incoherently about half-human creatures who flapped through the darkness of grotesque wings. The castle was built, likely on the II's orders, over this supposed hellhole, without proper fortifications, a water source, or kitchens. The myth asserts that this was because the castle was meant not for human habitation, but to capture demons. The chapel was supposed to be the actual portion of the fortress erected directly over the gates of hell. The fortress was, however, used as an administrative building, and has been used as an aristocratic residence at various points in history, and was renovated and expanded during the Renaissance. The castle's current owners trade on the building's hellish reputation, setting it up as a spooky tourist attraction. So that brings us to the end of the Hell gates, or the gates of hell, or the hell mouths, whatever you want to call it. Very interesting look at what people used to believe when they couldn't explain something. Nowadays, most of these things are written off, and we have explanations for why animals would die, or birds avoided it, or people would just not go near these things. The last one in the Czech Republic reminded me a lot of Mel's Hole. Maybe that's where he got his idea, if it was, after all, a hoax. It's hard to say as that hole apparently no longer exists. But it'd be super interesting to find out if it actually did. If there's any documentation out there somewhere. Maybe there's a picture. Maybe this Mel guy took a picture. But it's even up for debate if Mel even actually existed. There's no paperwork. There's no deed or anything that suggests he ever owned any land in that area. Nobody by the name of Mel Waters has ever filed taxes or registered their business or property in the state of Washington. So it's all very fishy. Could have just been some guy pulling a prank before the internet really became a thing. But that does bring me to the end of this, as I mentioned before. It's kind of a surprise episode, so I hope you really liked it. I was kind of on a whim. So it wasn't super well researched, but I think it was pretty good nonetheless. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, contact me anywhere you like. On my website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. If you really want to give me an idea or talk some spooky, I'm always down for some spooky talk, especially if you want to share your stories. So until next time, keep an eye out for just a little hole in the ground. Who knows, maybe it'll lead straight to hell.